Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Yo, what's going on, people? You're now locked in to this notice podcast. I hope you've had a good week so far. This week's episode, we're going to be talking about the economy. The economy is big. Um, as I'm recording today, Wednesday, the 12th of October, we received news that the UK economy contracted again. That means our economy is not growing as quickly as before, which signals that we are heading into recession, which is not very good for anybody, right? So we've got a recession on the way. <laughs> we've got interest rates rising, which is causing people's mortgages to be more expensive. We've got the cost of living crisis, which is a very high level of inflation. Energy crisis, which is the cost of living crisis because they're driving the prices. And our wages, we heard today, um, this week, our wages are going up by 5%, which is good if inflation wasn't going up by more than double that. So things are looking a bit bleak. And what's happened recently is um, the mini budget by Kwasi also known as Kwasia Kwarteng, the new chancellor, and Liz Truss didn't go down well with the people, didn't go down well with his own party, didn't go down well with the opposition, and most importantly, in terms of today's topic, didn't go down well with the investors. So we're seeing a lot of wahala in the markets causing the Bank of England, who are independent from the government, to act in an unprecedented manner. So, is our economy in the mud? We're going to be talking about that shortly with David Bell, trader, owner of Macrodisiac, political and economic commentator. Very, very... Those listen to my pod, you know what type of time David's on. But a quick shout out to the previous week's episode. And what that's episode 277, no, 276, sorry, when I discussed mortgages and rent. So check that episode out. How bad is the current mortgage situation? Mortgage repayments are going up, of course, due to interest rates. How long is this going to last? What people can do to potentially get cheaper mortgages or should they stay and wait the cause? Also, I spoke about the state of the London rental market. It is brutal. There's like damn near 20, 30, 25 people applying per advert. I spoke about a couple of people on the gram who spoke about they put rooms on spare room and one person has over 100 responses for one room in 24 hours, another person put up a room and that advert was shut down over the weekend because he had over 400 unread messages. (laughs) The competition is crazy to the point where some people who have enough money are willing to pay 50% over market price. So let's say there's a a two bed flat that's 2K. Mine are willing to pay three bags. Not even extra 100, extra 50, extra 150, a whole grand. Some people willing to pay in cash 12 months rent in advance insane so make sure you check that podcast out but we are talking the economy today is it all doom and gloom how how much in the mud are we with david bell coming up next 
Hi guys, MXM, and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's lit. It's lit. It's lit. Yo, people, uh, I can't ever say I'm joined by guests because he's part of the furniture. Um, I'm joined by my guy, Mr. Macrodisiac, David Bell. How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. I'm I'm very very tired. Yeah, because uh, I did I did breakfast TV this morning. So yeah, David. <laughs> yeah, David was on GB News this morning, so he's been up since four a.m. And honestly, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Now, <laughs> the reason why David's up at four a.m. and it's I hope people actually quick question, David. In out of ten, if you were to pick ten random Brits uh, from all backgrounds, all ages, all genders. If you picked up 10 in like Tesco, how many of them do you reckon will have some kind of inkling to what's going on in the market? Or even just knowing that something isn't isn't all that great out of 10, how many reckon? I think, you know, I think most people would have an idea purely because of how the media uh, represents things. You know, they say, oh yeah, pound's gone down by X, Y, Z. It gets mm. front page headlines, you know, um, they, they might have an idea of what the guilt market is and stuff like that. But the problem with the media and something that I find uh, when doing media interviews as well is that you're not really able to describe the true sort of issues because it does get very, very technical, you know. Um, and you, you kind of have to stick with the main key points that people will understand. So they'd, they'd probably get it at a surface level. But delving into the more complex bits, which I'm sure we'll, we'll actually get onto in this, which will probably be very useful for people, um, you don't normally get a chance to do. And that's why um, Dysonomics exists. That's why Macrodesiac exists. You make sure you're following Dave on Twitter. He's a great follow. So, yeah, we're, let's just start at the top, right? September 23rd, I believe, was the date. Um, new Tory Prime Minister, Liz Trust, new Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng announced their mini budget, and then from then it's just been a bit of a a bit of a, a bit of a circus, really, yeah. <laughs> or shit show, depending on how you feel. So my first question to you is actually because I actually haven't spoken to you about this in a minute. What are your thoughts on Liz Trust and Kwasi Kwarteng? So um, the the whole issue for me is very much uh, an optics thing. Um, if we start off, though, with the, the whole background as to why this has kind of happened, this actually probably originates from back in January um, when the Bank of England decided to... I can't remember exactly, actually, when they started to raise interest rates. It might have even been at the end of last year. I genuinely can't remember off the top of my head right now. But the whole reason as to why this is happening right now is because we're shifting from low interest rates to a higher interest rate regime. And the, the problem is with what uh, Truss and Kwarteng did was that at a time when the Bank of England is trying to fight inflation, they've gone and, and just thrown out a ton of expansionary fiscal policy, which mm -hmm. is inflationary. Now, at the end of the day, the Bank of England has ultimate power over rates, um, and they are the rate setters in the economy. Um, so with Truss and Kwarteng sort of fighting them on this, it creates a lot of uncertainty. And that's where we've seen, you know, uh, gilt sell off, which is the, the UK 10 year uh, bond. We've seen that sell off and the yield on that increase because there's an inverse relationship. Right. Um, and this has a knock on effect. Yes. On to uh, mortgages and also on to uh, pension funds, which is the real big issue. 
and is the real issue as to why the Bank of England has decided to step into the market, to backstop it, to buy the longer dated bonds, the 30-year gilts, um, because there just wasn't enough liquidity in the market. A lot of people have tried to conflate it with QE. And yes, there's definitely comparisons there in terms of sort of what the, the kind of end goal is, but it's not a monetary policy uh, activity. It's purely a liquidity activity. So there's nuance there. Um, and I can explain happily as to why they stepped in. But the the optic side of things is really where I'm like, you fucking idiots, basically. <laughs> because I don't necessarily think it's a bad policy what they're doing, you know, trying to increase growth and, and that kind of thing. But if they wanted to do it properly and to not get as much political backlash, they should have just increased the personal allowance. You know, firstly, that would have uh, permitted the 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 sort of lower earners to get a benefit out of this, you know, to increase their actual take-home. It would have allowed the, the higher earners to have an increased take-home as well, you know. But at the end of the day, it would have affected those lower earners in a much more uh, magnified way, in my view. And they're the people that need to be helped at a time like this. You know, they just um, they just uh, supplied the economy basically with 130 billion pounds for the energy crisis, um, and I just think that their timing of releasing this mini budget was really there to make an impact, sort of symbolically, rather than do anything beneficial economically. Um, they should have waited for the Bank of England to, you know, allow their rate hikes to feed through to the economy a bit maybe wait for Europe to, to falter a little bit more and then do it. You know, it's, it's insanity in terms of their timing and the optics of it all. Yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more in terms of um, the, the points you made. Um, like inherently, cutting taxes, um, going to, trying to expand the economy, going for growth is not a bad thing. In isolation, but of course, with every policy, and in fact, and just in life, and every decision you make, it depends on when, where, who. The context matters, right? And I think obviously, in this scenario, and and I just think it was kind of like not kind of because it's, it's pretty evident. It wasn't executed particularly well either. So, if you are um, committing to a couple U-turns, as it stands, it could be more. That clearly shows that you misplanned. The fact that forty-five billion pounds worth of the tax cuts were unfunded, and that's not even my words. That's from them. They didn't state where they're funded from. Now, um, I was reading today on FT, Kwasi Kwarteng is kind of like scrambling, finding places where to cut money. So I think they're cutting five billion from foreign aid, so stuff like that. Like it does. All it does is reduce consumer confidence and obviously reduce investor confidence and that's what kind of led on to the to the to the bond sell on I was, I was even watching Sky News earlier this morning and they were speaking about how the 10 year guilt um, um, yields increased and there's also there's talk of the Bank of England which we want to get into now um, the actions of the Bank of England and when you're speaking about them taking on the Bank of England it's so true because for those who listen to Dysonomics, you might remember this, but there's kind of like two main economic policies. There's monetary policy when you're control that's controlling the money supply, controlling interest rates, and there's fiscal policy. That's when you're manipulating government expenditure and taxation, right? And effectively, 
both the monetary and fiscal policy are in are what's not in tandem. They're opposite. They're trying to do expansionary fiscal policy and there's a contractionary monetary policy. It doesn't make sense. I'm I'm not sure if you picked up on this, David, but I'm pretty sure, if I don't remember correctly, um, Liz Trust is actually in favour of putting more restrictions on the Bank of England. Or am I wrong in that? I'm pretty sure I remember her or her camp saying this. And it was and I was listening to Jacob Reese Mogg speak earlier today. And he did highlight what you said, that we're in a time of higher interest rates, and that's just the, the law of the land. But he was quite critical of the Bank of England, which I find quite strange. What, what's your assessment on the actions of the Bank of England? And we'll get into the details of what they've done and how and why it matters to the people. So I think, yeah, as I said, we've got to separate, you know, the belief about them doing QE with what they actually did. Now, there's something called liability, uh, liability-driven investments, right? I think that's it. My mind's just gone completely blank. Um, but basically, what this is, with pensions and pension funds, they're heavily involved in fixed income, which is bonds, um, because they can know they know that they'll get, you know, a relatively safe return. It might, it's not going to be outsized, like in equities or, you know, trade in some other kind of uh, products where, you know, you might be with a hedge fund and they're looking to make 30 40% a year or anything like that. Um, they're relatively safe. They're like workplace pensions and that kind of thing. And the the issue with with this is that because they're related around interest rates, so uh, bond yields are related to interest rates very, very heavily, um, there requires a lot of hedging to be done. Now, when you start to uh, see rates rise, okay, you need to be able to hedge that off more and more. And the problem is, is that gilt yields have risen so, so quickly because of the, the rise in interest rates um, that there's been kind of a shortage of cash to be able to use for these complex hedges to be taken on board. Now, on top of that, you've got what happened at the start of the year as well with, uh, you might have heard of it before, LIBOR um, and Sonia. So Sonia is the new LIBOR, basically, and it's, it's how uh, interest rates are effectively uh, priced in the futures market, is uh, uh, how things are hedged in the in the futures market and how interest rates are priced effectively. Um, and the problem with Sonia is that there's no historical data to go off. So in the UK, we have a real issue then because there's no short-term money markets. This is getting a bit complex, but it's how it works. Um, and we only have overnight uh, money market hedges, basically. So you've got all of these issues coming together at once. And as interest rates rise, liquidity drains out of the economy anyway. Um, so then when you get a catalyst like uh, Truss and Quarteng sort of increasing gilt yields so quickly you get just this real shitty situation where the Bank of England has to step in to try and stem the selling off of gilts. Um, so that's really what's happened. And they had to do it because of this strange sort of coming together of multiple different factors at once. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not the best. I think we will weather through it. Um, and it just depends on whether the Bank of England are truly going to stop the facility tomorrow um, or if they're going to continue it. Yeah, um, um, yeah, you're spitting like so. 
for the listeners, so why this matter? So for like, if you work in a public sector, the chances are you have a defined benefit um, pension, and the pension funds are what a good two trillion trillion pounds, right? And of course, as David um, um, alluded to, like these pensions, when you have a pension pot, they don't they don't they don't just put all the money in the pension pot and put it in a night shoebox and just wait for you to turn sixty five and give it to you. They actually invest your money, so it's so somewhat inflation proof, right? And so with pensions, they invest in fixed incomes or bonds because they are, of course, a lot more safer investment. The Bank of England, I mean, the the British government have never missed a payment. So that's a pretty safe bet. Now, if if gov- if UK government debt is in the mud, <laughs> then so are your pensions. So I remember, so you mentioned um, the Bank of England and, of course, Andrew Bailey, the governor, saying that, yeah, basically that from Friday, y'all are on your own. I I was um watching um Sky News, I can't remember the brother's name, Ian King or one of them guys, I can't remember. And he was saying that um like privately there is still gonna be support for um the pension funds, saying that I can't remember what it was called, or something something repo science, I can't remember. Uh that's gonna be continue that's gonna be available for the pension funds to access into next week. Did you see that? Let me see if I can find an FT. I saw yeah, it. so there's um, there's uh, the repo is basically a, re- a repurchase agreement where the Bank of England uses reserves to swap out um, for bonds. So it's all kept on the same balance sheet and it's effectively just an asset swap. Um, very similar to how QE was, except with QE, it was newly printed money and the money basically found its way uh, into the economy um, via government spending, you know, through the pandemic and that kind of thing. Um, so this is where the kind of conflation with QE is coming in. But because it's not supposed to reduce uh, interest rates, it's not classed as a monetary policy tool. It's purely classed as a liquidity tool uh, or, or a liquidity facility, um, which can be accessed um, but the Bank of England's not actually going to bid for any bonds. Um, it's just going to be used as kind of this asset swap type of thing. Okay, wicked. Okay, now to the questions that matter. So, our economy has contracted again. People are worried about recession. Of course, people are naturally worried about the pensions market. And obviously, there's every time you read a news news story, there speaks on potential turmoil for the financial markets, and that always perks my interest. I'm like. If our pension, if the pension funds fail, that is like the ultimate apocalypse. So my question to you, uh, Mr. Macrodisiac, do you think our pension, our pen, um, the pension funds are in actual danger of collapsing? No, I don't. Um, I think, you know, there, there might be one or two lenders that are out there that might, uh, not lenders, uh, one or two funds out there that might uh, struggle. Um, but if so, um, I, what, what I would say, if they were to fail, they'd be taken over by a larger provider. Um, I don't think we're at the stage of like uh, a total collapse in 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 that way. Um, I think it's heavily to do with short term turmoil. Um, you know, we might see uh, some kind of uh, resilience if the Bank of England interest rate hike pricing softens a little bit, but at the same time, we've got to weigh it up. Look like what's more important, the short-term turbulence or uh, the inflation backdrop, which has to be, you know, countered, basically. Um, we are seeing the supply side, you know, uh, weaken, which which should have some impact on inflation. 
um, we're seeing like the prices of global containers have dropped by like 60% and mm. things like that. So we are seeing, you know, the structural forces that have pushed up inflation weaken quite a lot over the last, say, six months or so. Um, but yeah, of course, it's still, you know, too high for for, for where we want it. Um, but I think things are coming together to, to actually weaken that. Um, I think let's just put some of this into context as well, though, right? So Germany has just been found to have basically hidden 360 billion euros worth of debt in 26 different special funds. France has just released a package of over 100 billion euros. Um, you know, all of these uh, other countries in the Eurozone, I mean, America had a $750 billion inflation act how can how can you be pumping 750 billion dollars into an economy to try and prevent inflation yeah that's insane <laughs> that's a cop. So, so if we if we look at all of these different factors okay the yields are rising in these uh countries as well not as much as the uk it means that we can isolate the reason for the yield rise down to you know one real thing which is probably most likely to do with these liability driven investments you know, the the hedges have sort of blown out because of more technical factors to do with a specific part of the market rather than, I think, anything to do with the UK's credit profile, to do with the UK defaulting and that kind of thing. So I think, you know, we're, we're, we're safe in, in terms of that. Okay, what, what are your thoughts on a potential recession? Do you think we're heading into a recession? Uh, obviously, we've with our with uh, the news coming out that the in August we had below uh, anticipated growth. Um, some sites, um, bank holidays. I saw that. And I was like, mm, that's a bit, bit random, and all types of um, potential reasons. What's your opinion on our economic outset? Do you think we're gonna we're gonna just be a technical recession or full out recession for a year or two? No, we're hundred percent going for a recession. There's yeah, no doubt. Agreed. Yeah. Um, one of the big data points that just came out yesterday was from the uh, New York Fed. And the New York Fed said that household spending had declined by the largest amount uh, in their data series. Um, oh, whatever, um, since so they're recording data. Yeah, I'm not Jeez. too sure how far that data series goes back. It might only be like 20 years, but, but still, you know, yeah, we've, we've got to take that into real consideration. Um, and this isn't a UK specific thing. And this is something that I think people tend to you know when it is to do with your own country right you tend to focus on that more um and you don't really hear about everything else going on um the imf predicts that germany will have negative 0.3 percent growth for next year they predict that the uk will have 0.3 percent growth um will have negative 0.2 percent growth so you know, we, we need to take things in a more holistic view I think, rather than just constantly saying the UK is doing shit. Yes, there's very bad decisions that have been made. Mm -hmm. But if you want to examine something um, properly, you really do have to take into account other major nations to see how they're doing. Yeah, of course. Like It's the all-round economic outset across the world is not looking, <laughs> it's not looking very good. Okay, so I've got, I got a few questions that I want to sure. try and dig out now. Okay, where are... Okay, cool. So, shout out my boy um, Olayemi. He asks, what exactly 
are the Bank of England doing and why in layman terms? And how it impacts pensions? We think I spoke for that. And what, what, what um, oh yeah, Kwarteng wants to discuss something on the October 31st. So what is he coming to discuss? Do you think he's going to make amendments to the mini budget? Do you think he's going to add on top of it? I personally think, uh, so in terms of the Bank of England, I think I had explained that. Yeah, um, yeah, you did. Before. So that's more to do with like, imagine you've got a hose that, uh, is uh, has basically stopped, but you need to put out a fire. The Bank of England have come along with another hose to basically allow you to put out that fire. Um, in terms of Quarting's, uh, let's call it, you know, mini budget amendment, I do think that he will end up raising the personal allowance. Um, I'm not going to toot my own horn and say that he's been listening to me, <laughs> but for the last couple of times that. Um, you know, I've and, and other people have suggested something. He seems to have come along and suggested uh, something very similar. So I think he'll increase the personal allowance that would make most sense and take some, you know, flack off him. Um, but I don't think there'll be major, major adjustments. I think there'll just be, you know, uh, things to appease um, people for now. Um, you know, I just think the timing of it's really, really bad. Not necessarily that the policy is bad in itself. Um, of growth it just needs some tweaks to make sure that the the people at the bottom are basically being adequately um adequately serviced if you want to call it like that those those with lower incomes i think that should be the primary focus yeah much agreed um respond targaryen a depression is usually a recession that spans more than two years. With all the external factors like the uncertainty of the war, continued supply chain woes, tightening of rates, what are the likelihoods we entered we enter a prolonged recession? Yeah. I think, you know, if we look at the exuberance of the last couple of years um, through the pandemic, the way that the markets have demonstrated um, that people have just been buying stocks, buying crypto mentally, you have to think of it like an elastic band. So we had that massive push up in markets um you know house prices going to the largest increase ever uh, in a period where really you'd have expected them to have dived you know um businesses were being shut and all of this so there's been a massive exuberance into assets and now you have to think of it like uh, a drug addict so you know the, the market at the moment is like a heroin addict who is receiving a lower and lower dose each time. And that's from interest rates going up. Whereas previously, they were on the best heroin they could ever experience. You know, they were being drip fed it, basically. It was fucking medical grade. Um, and that's why, you know, they were feeling high and euphoric all the time. Now, not so much. They're on a massive come down, withdrawal symptoms. And, you know, eventually that will feed through into the wealth effect, which I think it is now credits weakening for example um and that's really what creates you know longer term depressions but it's something that has to be done at the end of the day you know interest rates do have to go up to try and combat inflation and get it back to a a kind of structurally good baseline great answer um jammers 4000 your opinion on where to put your money during these times investment savings also how long do you predict will be in the recession um, I'd say uh, predominantly cash um, and then start scaling into, I know people are going to say, oh, but inflation's high. Yeah, but you know, you can get your money also eroded by being in the wrong assets as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you start hearing about uh, 
you know, the new, the the Federal Reserve wanting to cut interest rates again is when you start to get into, you know, your your S and P five hundred uh, ETFs like SPY, VOO. Um, VOO is actually the cheaper one on an expense ratio basis, um, and you start just getting back into the S and P five hundred. It's probably the best place to be uh, for longer term returns. Um, underscore JD 19 asks, how have the bank of England done enough to stabilize market disruption? Uh, no, because we're seeing gilts back up mm. at the same, uh, prices when they intervened. So we're seeing gilt gilt yields, sorry, back up at the same level as when they intervened. So, um, there's probably going to be some pressure there. I think the market is now, uh, comforted though, that the bank of England is willing to step in when it's needed. Um, so I don't think we'll necessarily see as bad um, uh, moves to the upside. Um, they will have to configure things themselves, though. Basically, yeah. Do Do you think we'll do? You, my question: Do you think we'll see any government in, intervention uh, from Kwasi Kwarteng and um, and Co. if the situation regarding the pension funds continues to worsen? Um. Only if there was a failure, I think. I think the Conservatives would only really want to step in if there was an actual pension fund failure. Mm. Um, but since pension funds are uh, are regulated by the PRU, which is uh, the basically like the the same as the FCA, but for systematic, um, systematically important, you know, entities, institutions. Um, that's kind of when you'd see the, the the treasury step in, but I think that's really a real last resort type thing. Okay, cool. Well, I had another question for you. Okay, cool. This is from my boy Dr. Leroy. He says, um, "This is for you specifically. Um, can you outline the doomsday scenario and what he thinks will happen to the financial systems if pensions do collapse?" Um, it would be another two thousand and eight basically um, yeah. but it depends on the size of the institution um whether also contagion were to spread if similar situations were to be um replicated in the us for example if similar situations were to occur in uh japan and you know all, all these other nations so it would depend on that if it if it's you know um more of a an epidemic so it would only need to be isolated to the uk then I don't think it would be as much of an issue. But with these things, with how markets are intertwined these days, there is no way that it would only be uh, isolated to the So perhaps, you know, um, what's his face? Andrew Bailey has been in Washington yesterday. I think he's probably still there today. Perhaps that's one of the reasons as to why he's over there, to actually discuss with Janet Yellen um, and maybe even Jerome Powell some of the issues that he's he's seeing in the UK and whether they have the same effect in the US. Because we have to remember that in the US, the, the pension system there is massively, massively underfunded. So if there's issues in the UK, it's likely that there's issues in the US as well. Maybe not in the same kind of vehicles like liability-driven investments, um, but you know, it could be that the, the underfunding creates issues there. I mean, I think uh, Chicago pensions are only funded by like 9% or something like this, which is insane. So, uh, yeah, perhaps that's one of the reasons why he's over there. I don't know if it was planned or what, but there's definitely been discussions had. Okay, cool. Well, I'm not sure if I have anything else for them. I think 
I think we've covered most things, don't you think? But uh, yeah, people, any other questions, just hit me up or hit David. I'll tag him when this pod drops, uh, which will be midnight on Thursday. So you're already listening to this, so I don't need to say that. But yeah, man, David, it's been a pleasure as always. Cheers, mate. Podcast Network.